The ability to communicate well is paramount to having a good, successful, and happy life. We want our kids to develop good communication skills at all ages. We also want it for ourselves. How does language learning work? In this episode, Building and Understanding Language Through Our Senses, we dig into how the brain learns, and you will gain some powerful everyday strategies to teach your child language skills. So grab a LaCroix, and let's get learning. And if your kiddos are quiet enough, you might even want to grab a pen and paper for notes. Are you tired of repeating yourself with your children and wonder why they don't listen? Are you frustrated that your kids argue, whine, or debate with you? Are you afraid you're doing the wrong thing, but you're not sure what to do? Hey mamas, you don't need to stay overwhelmed and exhausted. My name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush, mom, grandma, and speech-language pathologist of over 25 years. In this podcast, you will find solutions to get your kids to listen better, understand the clear communication, and the boundaries that benefit kids, and all while enhancing your relationships. So if you are ready to build deep, meaningful connection and create a more peaceful, productive, and happy home, listen in. Let's interrupt the way you've been parenting so that you can become the parent you want to be. It's playtime. Let's go. I want to share a review. Sweetly Broken gave five stars and wrote, A much-needed show for parents. Dina Lynn shares easy-to-implement strategies to communicate better with your children. As a mom of an active toddler, this is a much-needed resource. Aw, thank you, Sweetly Broken. That is what this podcast is about. You can do it. Keep on listening. And if you have a specific topic you want to hear about, write me at hello at thelanguageofplay.com. Our brains are amazing. They are pattern processing machines, and they look for patterns. And it is the patterns of speech and language, tone, inflection, pausing, rhythm, all of those things that our brains look for. They also look for the context in which a word is repeated, and it happens again and again and again. And that's the way we start to build our language. Now, some kids come easily to language and speech, just the way some kids come easily to running and coordination and math, and some don't. Today, I'm going to divide our language learning into two parts. Next time, in episode six, we're going to talk about how kids express themselves. Today, we're going to talk about how they receive information, and this time, it's what they take in. Today is the bigger part, focusing on the foundation of learning language, speech therapists, call this receptive language. Receptive language is receiving. It is the receiving of information that comes to us. It is the input. It is incoming information. It's how we comprehend. There are many strategies. Today we're going to take a high view and we're going to look at language learning through our senses and how it is that our children understand with their senses and how you can use that sensory information that they are experiencing and talk about it. Talk about what it is that they see, feel, smell, taste, touch. The main sense, of course, used to acquire language is hearing. We listen to language by hearing all the language around us. It is the repetition of the particular language around us that that pattern-finding brain looks for. The repeated language and vocabulary in the context builds understanding. So let me walk through a simple, common situation. 
a child sees a squirrel while looking out the window. Now, your child is paying attention to a squirrel. So if your child is an early language learner, you name what it is that they're seeing and ask if they see it too. Hey, I see a squirrel. Do you see it? When you know that they're already looking at it. They can nod or they can say yes. And this keeps the speaking demand low. And that is how you stay in the input zone in your mind. Sometimes parents will ask, what is that? When the child doesn't have the capability of answering. I want to caution you on this because unintentionally, it can teach your child a pattern that you don't like, which is you ask a question and you don't expect an answer. Consider that for a moment. If you ask your child, what is this? What are you doing? And all those questions that really you're trying to engage them in conversation, but they're not capable of answering. It's really not inputting on language, but they're listening and their brains are looking for patterns. So don't give that pattern if you don't want that pattern. We have lots of inputs before we are able to utilize words. Therefore, if you focus on giving language, we are better language teachers. When we look at the squirrel again, we're going to talk about how it moves, where he is, what he's doing, what it's eating, the big bushy tail. It'll sound something like, I see a squirrel. Oh, he's running up the tree. Now he's on a branch. Oh, he runs across the branch and jumps over to the other tree. Did you see that? Wow, I saw that. Look what he's doing. He's eating a great big nut. And look at that big bushy tail. So now that would be the language that you would use for a little learner. Now let's say you have a 10-year-old. You might say something like, Look how fast he jumps. I'd love to be able to jump that fast and jump from tree to tree. It looks like fun. Did you know their tails help them to do that? And then let's say you have a 15-year-old. You might look out your window and look at that squirrel and say, They are so funny. I love watching them. And allow your 15-year-old child to see you laugh out loud as you simply enjoy nature. Now, the example with the squirrel happens at any age. Adults talking to adults, too. If we notice the birds and how beautiful they are, we might say, Look at the cardinal. It's so bright red against the snow. Wow. And that's natural conversation. It's not a series of questions. Give your children a lot of inputs on the natural conversation with your kids because that is the flow of language. The way we describe all the details about the squirrel is similar to how we learn to play a sport. First, we have taken in the information, enough to know that we want to play. Then we do and listen and do and listen, and this repeats. So it looks like this. The coach tells you what to do. That is receiving language. You do it. That's your experience. The coach talks to you again about what you did. That is receiving or receptive. You go do something again. And this pattern happens over and over. And by the time your child comes home, hopefully he's able to tell you what he did as you ask a question like, what did you do in soccer practice today? Hopefully he says something like, we were practicing getting it into the goal from the 20-yard line or whatever they were doing. Here are three strong strategies for building language understanding. You'll notice that I already covered them, but I'm going to state them and then give you examples. First, talk about what your child is paying attention to. Second, talk about what they see, feel, hear, smell, taste, and experience in conversational style. Three, remember you are building a foundation 
and they are receiving. Let's say your child is paying attention to his truck and he drives the truck on the counter while you're cooking dinner. You can say, ah, your truck makes a lot of noise. It's loud and I see those big black tires. Let's push it down the hallway, not on the counter. Only food goes here. The hallway is smooth too and your truck can go fast. Stay in the enjoyment while you correct. Now, I hear you parents. There are times that you must make a change to what they're paying attention to. Let's talk about that for a moment. If your child is playing with video games or puzzles and you give an instruction, you'll need to figure out how to shift their attention. That doesn't happen easily all the time, but you need to communicate that you want them to follow through now. So in shifting their attention, especially if they're doing something on a screen, you need to call their name and tell them that you need their attention. Give them a little bit of pause. Sometimes it takes a few seconds because they may not want to and they may not be able to shift. Screen time can leave them in a little bit of a trance. So then give them a transition. A transition would be something like, stand up. I want you to change position. Look at me. Put your hands on their cheeks and talk to them. And then give them their instruction. Go wash your hands now. So the say now. So first, get their attention. Two, give them a little bit of pause. Three, give them a transition like stand up. And four, say the word now. That's your little trick about attention shifting. And I'll go more into details about that another time. But let's get back into language building. Let's say you're at the dinner table and your child is given some food. And when your child eats a bite, he shudders. And then you might calmly say, wow, as you smile, you shuddered. Oh, that's cool. It is sour. I like it. I thought you would too. This is lime flavor in chicken. Do you want more? And nod and smile while you ask. You give them the words that match their experience when they're tasting. All of those words come together and children learn in context. So the context of sour in this sentence was with taste. Stay in the exploration mindset of new flavors, not guessing the opinion about what the shutter meant. Lots of kids come back for more. Simply being surprised caused the shuddering. Here's an example with smell. Smell is primitive. Our memories are strongly held with smell. When you smell a certain place from your childhood, you think of specific people, places, foods, time. What do we say? Oh, I know this smell. It reminds me of... And whatever that is. So with your child, you might say, I know that smell. I wonder what's in the oven. Let's go see. But refrain from asking their opinion. Do you like the smell? Just stay in the curiosity and wonder rather than giving an opinion. Ew, that cauliflower stinks. That doesn't help if you want your child to be able to eat the cauliflower. Now, when a child is young and let's say he loves the snow and he goes out into it and he flops down on his belly swimming and is eating the snow, what do you think we can input? Hmm, looks like you like the snow. You're eating the snow. Oh, and it's really cold on your face. Wow, this is new, white, fluffy snow. Or maybe we want to talk about it being slippery. Some of those words might be well beyond the age of the child that you're talking to, and maybe not. But the important part, like don't eat the dirty snow, is going to be made clear because that's the important part. So, for example, if you're talking a one-year-old, you would point to the dirty snow and you'd say, no, eat. 
and you'd move their little body over to the clean, white, fluffy snow because you know you're not going to stop them from eating the snow. So you move them to the clean part and say, eat here. If your child is older, you can explain and give them some sense of judgment. Don't eat the dirty snow. Now I want to call your attention to one other thing, and that is feeling. Not feeling like in I touch with my hands, which would be temperature like cold, hot, maybe maybe hard and rough, and those kind of words, which are great vocabulary too. But I want to call your attention to sensitivity. Children can sense feelings, electromagnetic frequencies and the Wi-Fi and screens, and, and to the energy of those around us, to moods. They're sensitive to chemicals. So when you are a bit tense coming home from work, your child most likely feels the tension, but doesn't know what's going on. Crying and clinging and getting ornery and other responses to tension is common. Just at the time, we want space. They can sense our feelings without understanding, and their behavior can mirror how we feel inside. And at moments like these, your words make a huge impact to change the happiness in your home. If you can give them the words for how you're feeling, it can help them understand how they're feeling. You might say, Oh, Joey, I had a hard day today, so I just need to be quiet for a little bit. Can you just lay down next to me for a little bit until I calm down? Or maybe you want to say, I'm really hungry and tense. I need to exercise and eat. I feel crabby. You did nothing wrong. I need to go back to work tonight, and I don't want to. Or you could say, I'm hangry. Let's eat before we talk. Can you feel my tension? Don't talk yet. This, of course, requires that we are aware of ourselves and being hungry or being tense. And that being aware of ourselves is probably the biggest part of it. Using feeling words to help our children know about their mood change or their energy change can reduce the fear they feel when they suddenly experience the change. Let's tie this together. First, I divided language into two parts. Today, I talked specifically about when kids receive language. This is the precursor to being able to use those words. Here are tips to help your child learn language by utilizing the senses. Tip number one, talk about what your child is paying attention to. And then we took a little caveat into how you can capture their attention and keep it happier. Tip two, talk about what they see, what they touch, what they hear, what they smell, what they taste, what they experience and feel, and do it in conversation. Tip three, remember that you are building a foundation and they are receiving. There is so much more to talk about in the subject of what parents and caregivers do that increases language understanding for children. So keep coming back and keep listening. There's plenty more to come. Remember, mamas, when you get behind the eyes of a child, you can speak in a way their brains understand. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you feel hopeful and want to hear more, please share this podcast with other parents that might want the same. I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review. You can also connect with me through the email found below.